Well, good morning. He is risen. Indeed, he is. Welcome to our second service. We had such a great first service, and we've already flowered this side of the cross. Now y'all get to flower the other side of the cross. We're glad to have you. Uh, each of the teaching pastors are going to share a little bit of the Easter story today, and I'm going to start off with this verse in Romans, the fifth chapter, the twelfth verse. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all had sinned. You know, a few weeks ago I was on a cruise a month ago, and I was talking to a man, and uh, I was telling him this very story, that at one time God put man over the earth, Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, they've come short of the glory of God. They sinned. And people go, well, that was a mean God to drive them out of the garden. But see, you don't understand. The reason he drove them out of the garden, that they don't partake of the tree of life and be forever, eternally in that condition. From that very moment, there was a uh, prophecy given that there would be a seed of a woman that would come and bruise Satan's head at some point in time. Even everything that takes place in the Old Testament and every book of the Bible is speaking of Jesus. Matter of fact, when Adam and Eve sinned, they they took and took the life of a lamb and they made a covering for Adam and Eve. And that was our first little sign, that covering of a lamb. Then we, we know at the uh, Passover, they took and they would kill a lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost. And Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks and we can only let him in because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And all the way through scriptures, we keep seeing when the water was bitter, they took a piece of wood in the shape of a cross and threw it in the water and it turned the bitter water sweet. It's only Jesus that can turn our bitter experiences in life sweet. We go on through it, it just every story in the Old Testament is telling us and pointing to Jesus. Pointing to Jesus. And you know, you may ask the question, well why did why the cross? Why did he have to die? Well see, because of Satan, Satan came through a serpent and he said take and eat take and eat and Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit and they were had to be expended from the garden as I said you got to realize that Jesus is the only one that could redeem us could turn our bitterness sweet he's the only one that could redeem us and so it's amazing as we see another garden in the New Testament with the second man Adam Jesus Christ Jesus gets his disciples together and he says, take and eat. He's reversing the curse for all of us. He's reversing the curse. And because their first sin was on a tree, they partook of the forbidden tree, it was already said that Jesus would come and he would die on a tree. He's reversing the curse. He's reversing the curse. He says, take and eat. He died on a cruel cruel tree and they said you know cursed is anyone that would die on that tree at the time that they said Jesus would die on a tree they were not even uh, executing people that way in the Old Testament it took the Roman Empire to come in and they they began to bring in this cruel death of dying on a cross and the Bible says no greater love than anyone can have than he lay down 
his life for his friends. While Jesus didn't have to, to die, he had committed no sins. He was completely righteous. And he came, and the great exchange on that cross was he took our sins. In other words, in the story, we're the Barabbas. Remember Barabbas? He was the, the criminal, the thief, the most hated man in town. It was for him that was going to die on the middle cross, the elevated cross. The middle cross always represented the most evil man in town. They were going to make a public example of him. He was going to be treated worse than any of the other uh, men being executed. And that day, he said, well, you've got a choice. You can have Barabbas and Jesus will be crucified or you can let Jesus go and Barabbas will be crucified. And the people, the people said, give us Barabbas. And Jesus went to the cross. And just like Barabbas, I don't know how he felt that day to realize that Jesus took his place. I hope he lived a good life after that. But Jesus took a place on the right, on the cross. He took our sinfulness that we might take his righteousness. And that's what makes the cross beautiful to me. Let us pray at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for this service today. We pray for the worship. We pray for the ministers. God, that a message will be told here today that will change lives. That we will be like Paul, that we will glory in the cross forever and ever because it's truly the instrument that God used to take away our death and give us life, to give us eternal life. And we thank you and we glory in the cross of Jesus. Amen. Let us worship the Lord. Will you stand? <clears throat>
Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a I was thinking this week, especially Friday, if we went back 2,023 years ago and we were there and we said, hey, happy, happy Good Friday, it would not be very happy for them. And I was thinking about Friday, we, we were in the house and I was going through my quiet time and, and going over what I was going to say and praying to God, that, you know, what, is, what are you going to give me? And I looked outside and it was all gray and dreary and rainy. That's what they experienced because their, their savior, their, their king, their rescuer, the one that was going to free them from bondage was hanging on an old rugged, rugged cross. The crown that was put on his head, he did it with you and me on his mind. Each nail that was put in his hands and feet, he thought about your hands and your feet, my hands and my feet. The spear that he took to the side he thought of your heart and he thought of my heart. And how Saturday was silent. It was still dark and dreary. They were, they were so distraught. They did not know what was going on. They were so terrified of what was going to happen next. Their Savior was dead. Their King was dead. But see, the end is just the beginning. And this is what happened next. This is early on Sunday morning. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it like it wasn't a big deal. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear. When they saw him, they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come and see where his body was lying. 
And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. See, what's beautiful about the cross is that when he said his last words, it is finished on the cross. And he gave his last breath. His end was just the beginning. His end was just our beginning. See, the veil was torn from the top down. Not that so God could get out. God could get out any time. It was for us to get to him. See, God didn't need the stone to be rolled away. He could just say it and be gone. The stone was rolled away so we could get into him. So we could go to him at any time. See, he arrested death on that cross. That, that debt that we all owe from our sin, he paid it in full. He arrested death. And that angel, that the promises that he gave those women, the same promises that he gives to us. He says, don't be afraid. That when you're afraid and you don't know who to trust and what to trust, remember the cross. Remember what he did for you. Remember the empty tomb. He's not there. He is alive. He has conquered death so that we could conquer death. He's not there. Come see the empty tomb. Come see for yourself. See, that empty tomb is still there to this day. It's a physical thing. It actually happened. It's in history. There's no one in that tomb. He's not there. He's not there. The next thing he tells us is go tell. Go tell. And Jesus later on gives us the great commission. I begin about all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and tell. Go and tell others about your rescuer. Go tell others about who paid your debt. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples. Teach new disciples. Teach your children. Teach your family. Tell them about me. And then the final thing, I love this next part, he says, I leave you with a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit lives and he dwells in us at all times. At all times. See, they arrested Jesus. They thought they had won. They arrested Jesus. But Jesus arrested death. He arrested death and put it in chains. So if you feel like you're in chains here today, you feel like you're in prison, you're looking th through other things. Just remember that empty tomb that you can serve a living God today. That all those other gods, all those other idols that you have, all those things that you're looking toward are empty. They're nothing. They're dead. We serve a living God today. He conquered death. He arrested death for us. And dead in my sin lost without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested my life began 
Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace is so free, washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down. chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully poured he canceled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested and my life began oh oh your grace so Watches over me. You have made me new now. Life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new now. Life begins with you. rejoiced as though heaven had lost. Yeah. 
Jesus. Who do you think you are? You came riding into town. You claimed to be God. The people lined the streets and shouted, Hosanna! Oh, it looked like they loved you. But they didn't. They did not love you. They did not heed your words. They were not your friends. They were your enemies. And before the week had even ended, they crucified you. And now, here you are, nailed on a cross, naked and weak. Of course, the only reason I'm here is because I know what you're really up to. You're paying for something. You have been crowned with guilt, the shame of all the people you love. The mistakes of every person, that nagging selfishness that emerges from the womb like a cancer that never stops growing, the cheating, the backstabbing, the despicable things they wish upon others, all the secrets kept under wraps, kept behind closed doors. I can see you pushing with your feet, trying to breathe underneath the weight of it all, all the petty anger of prideful men the blatant disregard for others, the lack of compassion, the insistence of entitlement, the material obsessions, the unspeakable amounts of money they spend on looking good while their fellow humans are starving. What does it feel like knowing that all of this is on you now? Every divorce, every abandonment, every deadbeat dad, every gunshot, every kid lying dead in the street, the men who kidnap girls and sell their dignity for a few dollars, all the insecure rage and outbursts, the I hate you, the I'll do what I want, the pornographic addictions, the jealousy, the idols, the celebration of vanity, the constant pursuit of look at me, look at me, look at me. Well, now we're looking at you, Jesus. And all I can see is a world drowning in sin and suffering. I realize these were not your doing. Nonetheless, I'm happy for you to be taking the blame. Humanity has done a fine job with this, but I'll take it from here. Before we're done, I just have to ask, what kind of person claims he can forgive the whole world? Who do you think you are? Sincerely, Death. Dear Death, I got your letter. My apologies for it taking a few days to write back. I had some important work to finish. I know you weren't expecting me to reply, but I'm always eager to provide the answer to a good question. Who do I think I am? I'll tell you who I am. I am the eternity before history. I am the potter who spun the galaxies. I am the spirit over the deep and the one who tells mountains to migrate. I am the cloud of day, the fire of night. I am the co-conspirator behind the scandal of grace. I am the keeper of the books, 
I am well aware of the debts that line the pages of every generation, and today I am stamping each and every one of them paid in full. Who do I think I am? I'll tell you. I am the just and furious wrath that makes hell look like a campfire. And I am the towering wave of mercy that can quench its thirsty flame. I am the billowing storm of love that sits on every horizon. And my goodness rains down on both the wicked and the righteous. I am the redeemer of wasted years. I am the welcome home to every prodigal son. I am the voice in the ear of every young girl whispering, I created you and you were created beautiful. I am faithful even to the faithless. My name is salvation. My name is power, even power over you. Do you really want to know who I am? I am the foot on your head. I am the spear in your side. I am the one author of this story. I am the one holding the pen, and I will block you out with a single stroke of my hand. I will have the last word because I am the word. And death, I am here to give you a word. On Friday, you weren't attending my funeral. You were attending yours. The nails in my hand will be the ones in your coffin. And just to be clear, I was not a victim of human plans and I was certainly never a slave to you. I am the victor. I am the master. I am the one who sets the captives free. And not only have I broken your grip on me, but I will pry your fingers from all who call my name. You are done. You are powerless. Your work is null and void. Pack up your bags. Go and tell your friends. It is finished. And in case you're still wondering, who do I think I am? I'll tell you who. I am. Sincerely, Jesus.
wanna be near, near to your heart, loving the world, but hating the dark. I wanna see dry bones living again, singing as one, hallelujah, holy, holy God Almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee, God Almighty, the great I am, the great I shake before you the demons run and flee at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am the great I of your name, King of Majesty. There is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am. He's the great I am, the great I am. The 
have to do with the resurrection of Jesus. Now, a lot of people would say that eggs come from pagan traditions. And in some ways, that's true. For pagan traditions, a lot of times eggs represent uh, rebirth and, and fertility. Um, but there's actually a history to how the egg came to be involved with Easter, the Christian celebration of Easter. So the early Christians would celebrate something called Lent. And so for 40 days leading up to Easter, they could not eat of meat uh, or eggs and, and a few other things. But for 40 days leading up to Easter, they could not eat of these things. And so the problem was that no one told the chickens this, <laughs> right? So for 40 days, they couldn't eat the eggs, but the chickens were still laying them. And so by the time Easter came around, they had just this abundance of eggs. And so it became a, 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 a treat to eat of an egg on Easter day. And so soon they began to uh, incorporate the eggs into the Easter story. And they began to, to tell the story of Easter through the eggs. And they would mention how the, the shell of the egg, was it breaks like the breaking of the tomb. And the flesh inside was like the, the new life that emerges because of what Christ does for us. And it wasn't long before they started to dye the eggs different colors. They would dye them yellow to represent a new morning, the morning of the resurrection. They would dye them blue to represent the love of God. They would, they would dye them red to represent the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And early Christian missionaries began to paint images on the eggs. And they would paint images of different biblical scenes and then they would hide them. And then the children would go and find them and once they found them, they would share the story of the biblical image that was on the egg. This is where it came from. They used these eggs as an opportunity to share the gospel, to share the story of the resurrection, to share the story of Easter. Now, I will say in 2023, Easter has become very commercialized. We don't even use actual eggs anymore. If I gave my kids a boiled egg, they would look at me like, what have you done to me? Right? We have these little plastic shells that we stuff full of sugar. And then we have our children hunt for these. But I still see an opportunity here an opportunity to teach our children about the true reason that we celebrate. It's not about bunnies. It's not about eggs. It's not about candy. It's not about gifts, except maybe the one that he gave to us. You see, and, and what I think we should do is I think that we should have a prize egg. Now, a lot of us probably already have a prize egg, and there's like money or a full-size candy bar or whatever else we can shove in this egg. I think we should have a prize egg, and when they open it up, it's empty. And they're going to be disappointed. I'm not going to lie. They will. They're like, Dad. You forgot the prize. And what that does is it creates an opportunity for us to tell them about the prize. You see, because the greatest news in history was not filled, it was empty. Because 2,000 years ago, they walked up to the tomb and they didn't find it full, they found it empty. You see, the greatest news in the world, the greatest hope that we have comes from emptiness. It comes from emptiness because on Friday, on Friday... Friday was a bad day. On Friday, darkness covered the earth. Right? On Friday, the disciples lost hope. On Friday, God died. 
And on Saturday, the disciples ran and hid. On Saturday, Jesus was silent. On Saturday, Jesus was in the tomb. Do you understand what it would have been like to watch the man that you followed, the one that you believed to be the Messiah, the one that you put all your hope in, all your trust in, you gave him everything, you risked your life for him, and you watched him die on a cross. You see, Friday and Saturday were desperate, horrible times. But on Sunday, everything changed because on Sunday, the women walked up to the tomb and they looked inside and they found it empty. They found it empty because our God is not dead. You know, people ask, what separates Christianity from every other religion? Our God is alive. You won't find our God in a burial chamber. You will go, millions of people go every year to Israel to go look at an empty hole in a cave. Because our God has risen. In fact, we're going in a few weeks and I'm so excited. Because I know when I look at the empty tomb, what I'm looking at is my hope. That is my hope because my God is alive. You see, the power of Christianity lies in the resurrection. If Jesus lived a perfect sinless life and then died and stayed dead, he was a great man. But on the third day, he defeated sin and he defeated death and he reigns as king. That's how we know who he is. It's because death has no power over him. And so if you're here today, and you've been drugged here by family, because I did that once on Easter 10 years ago. I was drugged here by my beautiful wife, and it changed everything. And if you're here today, and you've walked in as empty as this egg, and you're just not feeling it, and you're not really sure why you're here, and you're not sure if this whole God thing is real, and you're not sure why these Christians are all crazy and all hyped up. If you're feeling empty, let me tell you about the God that can fill you. The God can redeem you. The God that has never once left you, nor has he forsaken you. No matter what you've done or how far away you've went, no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how many times you feel worthless, let me tell you about the God who loves you, who has redeemed you, who laid down his life so that you could be saved. If you feel like you're worthless, I heard someone say this week that the definition of value is that which the buyer is willing to pay for it. If you feel worthless, let me tell you what God paid for you. You are infinitely valuable because the God of all creation laid down his life and shed his blood so that you could be saved. You are infinitely valuable. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake, and it is not a coincidence. You are here right now hearing this message. God wants you to know that no matter what you're going through and what you're facing, he loves you. And he's called you for a purpose, and his way is greater than whatever you're facing right now. God is good, and he loves you. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the hope we have is in the empty tomb. So I want to give you the opportunity today that if you're here and you've never chosen to follow Jesus, you've never accepted him as Lord and as Savior, or even if you have but you haven't lived like it, and you want to make today the day that you change everything, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to count to three, and on three, I'm going to have you raise your hand and just say that I am going to follow Jesus. The word of God says, Jesus says, that if you accept me in front of, your, in front of men, then I will accept you in front of my Father. When we raise our hand, that is us declaring that we belong to Jesus and that we give him our lives. So if that's you today with eyes open, everybody looking forward, you want to declare that today, Jesus, I am yours. I will follow you and I will trust you. If that's you and you want to make the decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and you're going to put it right back down and we're going to pray together. 
that's you and you want to make that decision, one, two, three. Amen. 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 God is good. God is good. That was you. I want you to raise, I just want you to pray with me. You can pray aloud or you can pray silently. Jesus hears your words either way. Repeat after me. Jesus, today I give you my life. I know you are the Son of God. And you died for my sins. Today I am saved because of your love. Jesus, I turn from my sins and I follow you. I trust you and I give you everything. I love you. In your name I pray. Amen. The word of God says that if you said that, if you believed that, it says in Romans 10, 9, if you say with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. If you prayed that prayer and you believed it in your heart, your hope no longer resides in this world. Your hope is in that above. Your hope is in Jesus. And you were saved because of the blood that he shed on that cross. Today, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And your life will never be the same. Thank God for that. If you would stand with me, we're going to praise and worship his mighty name. And if you would like prayer, our, our, uh, a couple of our pastors are going to come up. We would love to be up here and to pray with you. If you made that decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to, to pray for you.
just a few minutes, we're going to come up and we're each going to take a flower and we're going to place it on the cross as an expression of our love and our gratitude for what Jesus did for us on Calvary. As an expression of our thankfulness for all that he's done for us. You know, there was a, there was a time in history when the, the cross only represented death and torture. It was the most excruciating method of execution that there was. It was saved for the worst of the worst criminals. Even the Bible says, cursed is he that hangs on a tree. They were tortured. It was a, and it was, it was a long death. The death on the cross was, was the longest, most torturous, agonizing death that there was. And while these people hung on that cross, naked, and exposed. It was humiliating. People would come by and they would, they would laugh at them and they would spit on them and they would curse at them and make fun of them as they hung there struggling to breathe and taking their last breaths. And our Jesus chose to go there for us. Our Jesus chose to die on the cross for us. Our perfect, sinless spotless lamb went to that cross and took on the weight of all the sin of the world, all of our past, present, and future sin was laid on him that day. And he paid the penalty for that sin, paid in full. And you know, if, if you told people of that time, if you told them that someday people would be wearing crosses on a chain around their neck, that someday people would be hanging crosses in their living room and decorating their houses with crosses. Well, they'd say, that was just crazy. That was just ridiculous. That would be like today, us getting a little miniature electric chair and hanging it around our neck. <laughs> or, or hanging a, a, a big painting of a gas chamber in our living room. It's ridiculous. It made no sense. Disgusting, morbid, ugly was the cross. But let me tell you what Jesus did. Because he transformed everything he touched. Yes, he You've heard the saying, ugliest sin? Well, if sin is the ugliest thing in the world, then how much more beautiful is that that cleanses us Amen. from sin? That forgives us of our sin? That's our Jesus. That's what he did on that cross for us. He transformed that instrument, that symbol of, of torture and death into a symbol of beauty and life. And he transforms us too. He transforms us. His, his, his death on that cross provided for our forgiveness. So we have been transformed from sinners to saints. We have been transformed from life to death because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so, yes, he, he died on that cross. But then he rose again. And he lives. And he's coming back again. He's coming back again. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with the Lord forever. When you come up here this morning and you place your flower on that cross, don't just go through the motions. Take a moment to take it all in, to remember what he did for you, to thank him for transforming the cross, to thank him for transforming you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for sending your only son to die on that cross for us, Lord. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. And we believe, God. We believe. And we eagerly await his return. We love you and we praise you, Lord. Okay, in just a minute, we're, the worship team is going to lead us in a couple of more songs. So I encourage you to, to, as we go through this flowering of the cross and it becomes transformed, to praise the Lord and worship Him this morning. Parents, your children are here on the front row. Come up, get your child, and, and flower the cross together as a family. Uh, this is a special day. This is a very, very special day. Let's rejoice in the Lord. We can make two lines. We can come up this row and this row and just... Get your flower and place it on the cross and worship the Lord today. Happy.